Random Alien Brain Droppings. I'm Suzanne Chancellor, and tonight's show, I'm going to do something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time, and that is talking about the experience and how it uh, relates to the consciousness. Uh, I think it's really easy for all of us to sit back and, and say, wow, look at this video, or, or I read this really great book about UFOs, or there's a really great documentary. There are so many out there that are really catching our attention. But how often do we actually take a step back and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, not necessarily the UFO should be the important thing, but maybe it's why it's happening and what's connected to it. And throughout my research, based on, on my own experiences, I've come to a commonality with a lot of my uh, contactee interviews. And I found that many of them have gone from their... I'm going to say trauma or their traumatic abductee scenario situations and, and realizing that there is something more to all of this. And instead of taking those experiences and dwelling on the negativity or taking something positive out of it and applying it to their lives. Now, I've also found that many of them have felt some sort of connection with these other beings. We don't really know maybe concretely what they are. Are they real? Are they physical beings that actually come to us in the night or during the day, contacting our families? But are they another part of the consciousness? Are they actually possibly interdimensional beings coming to us to give us a message and to stray us on a path to help us, enlighten us, enlighten others? So tonight's guest is somebody that I have connected with via the social media, which I'm very grateful for, for that connection. Her name is Debbie Tripp, an experiencer, and has a lot to share with us when it comes to the connection between the experience and alternative healing. So Debbie, welcome to the show. How are you tonight? I'm good, Suzanne. It's nice to be here. Thanks so much. I'm really, really happy to have you tonight. So so why don't you uh, let the listeners know a little bit about you and your background. Um, I, I take it you're living somewhere in the Midwestern part of the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm um, in the Southeast. Um, so, yes. <laughs> right. And why don't you tell the listeners, you told me a little bit about your, your journey. What I think is quite interesting is the things that you've shown me in, in your email were that the experiences seem to be pretty recent, which I think is pretty interesting because a lot of my my uh, interviews have dealt with people who've had lifelong experiences. Now, that being said, that doesn't necessarily mean that you haven't had them, but your real recollections that seem very, uh, very big, very, very intense seem to be very recent, and, and which is interesting since we've had this whole shift in in the the 2012 and all that uh, we tend to think that there might be some sort of an awakening happening here so i'm thinking that for you and and being as you are involved in alternative health practices 
that might apply to you as well. So could you share with us maybe a little bit about those experiences? Sure. Um, my first memorable experience happened in November of 2011, and it was your typical uh, spaceship with the beam of light. It sounds so cliche, but that's what it was, where I was looking up at a ship suddenly, uh, and I could feel beings around me, but I couldn't see them. And the beam was sucking me up into the ship, and I felt inside as if I was fighting it. And I heard a male voice telepathically say, now, Debbie, just relax. You know we need to do this. And I kind of just let it go. I just relaxed everything. And it felt as if I had done it a hundred times before. And I was like, okay, here we go again. And as soon as I did that, everything went black. And I have no memory of what happened after that until I woke up. And I say woke up. I don't know what that means, but uh, came to in a panic, um, and it was early in the morning, and I had called my husband in a panic. I mean, I, I never really remember my dreams, and I don't recall having that many nightmares in my life, so for me to call him and be so shaken uh, from that, and he had been taking our daughter to school, and I'm like, you need to come home as soon as possible. You know, I'm just, I'm freaking out here. And so he calmed me down, and I, I pretty much chalked it all up to a dream. And then in a few months later, in January of 2012, um, is when I had an experience where I had been reading. Um, my daughter was sleeping between my husband and myself, and they were asleep. And I had just shut my light off and put the book away. And I was settling down to sleep, and I heard a noise in my living room. We have a few doors that come into our bedroom. Um, so I heard a noise in the living room and then I heard a noise in the kitchen and I went to wake my husband up, which is what I normally do in those types of situations when you hear a noise in the house. And as I went to talk to him, I could not move. I was completely paralyzed. And the only thing that seemed to move were my eyeballs. And I was, you know, I was fighting that paralysis um, I heard this incredible hum in my right ear, very, very low, um, not unpleasant, but you couldn't, you know, it was very loud. Um, and then the whole room had blue lights coming in through the doors in the windows. And I could hear scurrying, like a bunch of little people running around. Um, when I kind of rolled my eyeballs to my right, where my husband was sleeping, that's when I saw a being that looked like your typical gray alien that you see in the movies, except he was glowing blue. It was an electric cobalt type of a blue color. And I remember, even though I was horror stricken, taking note of that, like, well, how odd is that? It's, you know, it was amazingly glowing with this blue color. And I was also thinking, oh, my goodness, that dream that I had in November was not a dream. You know, it was just a confirmation because, I mean, I was wide awake when this happened. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just as I'm starting to panic, everything goes blank again. Now, my clock is straight ahead in our bedroom, and I don't sleep well at night. So I'm always conscious of the clock and the time. And about an hour had gone by when that incident was happening, even though it just felt like 
a few seconds. Um, then in February, so even though it was, it was scary, I mean, it's like, you know, if I had seen a ghost or an angel, it's almost as if my brain could wrap around that a little mm -hmm. easier mm -hmm. than something that seemed extraterrestrial or interdimensional or multidimensional, uh, however you want to refer to it. Because mm -hmm. uh, we don't know for sure. Um, but then in February, I had had a dream. Uh, and it was an interesting, you know, it was just a funky dream of being in a house. And there were lots of rooms in the house. And every room, we were moving into it. And every room we were going into, there were people there. And the rooms kept going on and on and on. And we were like, well, I guess we're just going to be living with a bunch of people. And I wake up from the dream. And I wanted to analyze it, but instead, this telepathic message came through out of nowhere, and I knew immediately to write it down. And I had my cell phone by the bed, so I grabbed the little notepad on the cell phone. And the quote said, organized religion and dogma complicates the evolution of our soul. Wow. Pure love and simple heart truths gently moves us in our ascension process. I could not have come up with that, especially <laughs> upon waking, especially after a funky dream like that, that I was all ready to analyze. Um, and I thought, my goodness, that is, that did not come from me. Wow. Where did that come from? Right. So, um, and I've had several, and I would refer to that as a minor, you know, the, the November and January experiences to me were major. Um, everything else I refer to as minor I've had the vision of being in front of a council of beings with a hooded being mm -hmm. and she was female wow. and I couldn't see her face. And she, she in this vision kept saying, listen to the Eagle, follow the Eagle. His wisdom is not new. It is very ancient. Listen to the Eagle. And I'm thinking, why does she keep repeating herself? I've got it. Okay. What does it mean? I don't know. I still don't know. Wow. <laughs> but it was very, she was very uh, clear about it. Um, I, and then I had another experience where we had gone to the movies with my daughter and they showed the Smurf preview. And I jokingly said to her, oh, maybe my blue guy was a Smurf, referring to the little gray alien in my room. And that night... I had another uh, experience where this holographic looking brain was kind of just floating in front of my face. And again, it was a, a female voice. And she said, you need to pay more attention to your Smurf. Oh, listen, what? listen to your Smurf. <laughs> and, I'm sorry for laughing. That's okay. I mean, it, it is funny. With that one, right? Huh? You must have had a chuckle with that one. It's like, I, yeah, yeah. Did she really know what a, how could she know what a Smurf is? <laughs> Clearly, they're, they either are monitoring our thoughts or right. words or, that, that uh, and either they have a sense of humor or they're taking what we say very literally. Mm -hmm. So if she thought that I really thought, oh, that's my Smurf that showed up in my room that night. Her message is, you know, whether I look at it as a Smurf or mm -hmm. an alien or light being to listen to it and spend more time with it. Right. And the curiosity, maybe that's almost like a not like a figurative statement as well. Mm -hmm. You know, pay more attention to what it is that you don't know. 
Yes. Or, or for now, I think it's really interesting. I, I had to have a chuckle myself when you mm-hmm. said the Smurf, because mm-hmm. I had the same exact experience. And the only thing that I could explain it to be was a blue Smurf. Mm-hmm. Now, Amazing. you are not the only other person that I've heard this from wow. about these little beings. Yeah. Another one is Whitley Strieber. He mm-hmm. had another a blue being like that as well come to him. I do also believe there were three. Now, there were three with me. Mm-hmm. And that experience involved my daughter. And it also involved a telepathic message. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it, it's how, how could it be coincidence that we're all, all having these analogous situations and they're all presented to us in the same manner? <clears throat> Excuse me. Right. Now, now, you said you saw a ring. And you had this telepathic message. Now, when you were getting this telepathic message, mm-hmm. were you aware of any one particular person or being, I should say, that it was actually coming from? No. It was yeah. a male voice. Oh, really? Um, that was a male voice. Um, the voice when I was sucked up into the ship was a male voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but the holographic brain and the wise woman, you know, with the hood, the hooded being, was a female voice. Wow. Yeah. So they seem benevolent, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I always stress to people that although it was hard to wrap my mind around and it is scary, I mean, when you can't move, I mean, when, when I boil it down, that was the, the biggest thing was not being able to move. But I can understand why they would do that. You know, it's probably best for me and for them. Right. You know, because right. I've heard a lot of people who wanted to, you know, kick them and punch them. And, and, the, and, know, no, and, and not only wanted to, but have. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that as well. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in a bit because that's something else about this phenomenon that I think of late has been very interesting, finding out um, how people are trying to fend off their attackers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has to do with fear. Yeah. But but one thing I wanted to ask you, um, you know, you're saying that you got this message and it was very telepathic and it was a direct statement that that you could not have even dreamt up per se it Mm -hmm. seemed like it was actually coming from a source an energy source or an energy being Mm -hmm. uh now it seemed really direct and with with the same experience that i had that involved these little blue smurfs Mm -hmm. right before they came into my bedroom i had a visitation from a female that just manifested next to my bed and i couldn't move and all I could move was my eyeballs, which mm-hmm. is interesting. You're saying so many similarities to my experience and others as well, where you do mm-hmm. have the paralysis, mm-hmm. you, but we have the ability to move our eyes, which I think yeah. is interesting. Yeah. Why would that be? I don't you know. Can see unless they want us periphery. to see. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And she said to me, now telepathically again, I was engaged to be married at the time. And she said to me, Where I come from, marriage is the most sacred part of our existence. And I am giving you the opportunity to experience that if you choose. Wow. Now, where did that come from? Why are we getting these messages? Right. And it was so direct. And again, why would I be thinking that in the middle of a quote-unquote dream? Which seemed like a three-ring circus at that point. But (laughs) you know what I mean? With all the energy and, and, you know, happenstance happening in the bedroom. Mm Mm-hmm. And so what are these messages? And they're, they're giving to us so eloquently, in, in a sense, and yes. they're really pressing something on us. Do not forget. Pay attention to the Smurf. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what, what do you 
make of all this as far as those communications are concerned? Well, I definitely think they are given to us specifically as a reason. Maybe they know, you know, we don't know our future. Maybe they know our future. Maybe they knew you and I would be having this conversation and it would reach a lot of people. Um, and, you know, and I don't know that the messages are anything we haven't heard before in some other capacity. Um, the uniqueness is, I mean, I'm 45 years old. I've never had anything like that happen. Um, I've always been very spiritual and very open, and I've never had anything like that happen. There's just something, you know, my awakening truly started happening in 2009 when I started seeing numbers, certain number sequences, like the 1111 and the 333. And I, you know, I didn't know what it was then. Looking back, and I still see them, and I see more numbers, different sequences now, uh, that I feel are codes. And I feel like every time we look at them, it is doing something to this brain of ours, to this program, to this DNA, whatever you want to call it. I don't know how it's working, but I think there's a reason. Because again, in all of my years, I don't recall seeing number sequences like that. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a reason. So just like with the, with the quotations we're getting, for whatever reason, the people that are getting them or getting them and hopefully we're meant to spread them for some reason. And then that's, you know, part of the reason that I'm, you know, you know, I've had issues with coming out of the closet with all of this Mm. and, and I can't help but wonder with what I'm doing and in the messages that are coming through, um, that we're supposed to let people know. Um, You know, we talked about people having good experiences and bad experiences. Some people have bad experiences. Um, And I don't think the people having good experiences negate that. Mm. Um, You know, I think there's all sorts of energy and beings out there. Um, Mine, I I believe, I, I would err on the side of positivity with my particular situation, even though I still suffer from anxiety. And I would definitely say I have post-traumatic stress Hmm. from those situations that have happened. Um, But I also have tools to help myself that are working. And some people keep it together with these experiences and some people don't. And I'm I'm trying to be one of those that does keep it together um, for myself and for other people. Just like you're trying to help abductees, so am I because... I don't want people to go through that fear right. and, and, and not knowing what is this. Um, right. I, I had no interest in UFOs or aliens or any of that before this happened. Um, and I've kind of been, it's been thrust upon me <laughs> into this, you know, human life we're living and the, these earth suits that we're wearing mm. and, you know, we're, we're making the best of it. And I think we are keen enough to see, okay, when you get a quotation like that, that certainly isn't just for me. You know, that's just not just for me. It's that people should hear that. Mm. And maybe it's the fact that it's not something a human made up. I didn't make up that saying. Most of what we hear, you hear it from people who are speakers, you know, people like Deepak Chopra and Mm. Oprah. Mm. People, you know, you expect to hear that (laughs) stuff from them. Exactly. And and again, it's not to diminish what they're saying because they say wonderful things. But I think when you're average everyday person like myself gets a message like that um from something else from somewhere else that's not human 
there's a reason for that. What did you get from that message for yourself personally? I mean, obviously you wrote this down and upon mm -hmm. looking at it again, did you look at it and say, oh my gosh, what does this mean? I mean, how, how can I take this literally? Or is it like a, a metaphor for something else? Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought about trying to see how it applies to you? Because it was obviously meant for you. It was directed at you. Mm -hmm. And yes, definitely to spread some sort of a message. Well, you know, what it says, you know, I certainly agree with what it says. Um, and that's not to say I'm not a highly spiritual person, but there is a difference between spirituality and religiousness and dogma. Mm -hmm. And I knew that already. That was not new news to my brain. Um, so I, I loved the eloquence of, you know, pure love and simple heart truths. You know, that just you know, gently moves us. I mean, th those are words are just so lovely in how they're put together. You know, I just, I felt very loving energy from it. Uh, it was a wow moment, but it was one of those gentle wow moments. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you know, just that in all encompassing loving moments. Right. Um, so that, that's what I felt from it. And I completely agreed with it. Well, yeah, yeah, as you should. I mean, it was obviously, mm -hmm. you know, you were saying a couple of minutes ago how even though your experiences have not been benevolent, I'm sorry, malevolent, mm -hmm. um, as as much as you can recall to mm -hmm. present day, right? Uh, you still do have some PTSD in regards to the experience because mm -hmm. I think, you know, it doesn't really matter if it's good or bad. It's just so different and so odd. It's something we still don't have any control over, whether it was a negative physical abduction scenario or mm -hmm. a visitation for something that you cannot explain. You're still going to have some sort of stress from that because it's something that's beyond your control. And yeah. just to know that you don't have that 100% control of your own I'm going to say physical body as we know it here on earth. I mean, there are certain, you know, laws of nature that we all live in. And one of them is we are human physical beings that are inhabiting this planet. Mm -hmm. Okay. And therefore there are certain moral codes that we abide by. One of them is, you know, that we have to not abduct somebody against their will mm -hmm. or, or invade their private space, even, you know, whether it be, consciously or or what have you that's how we've been taught mm -hmm. from small children to believe by our parents our teachers our clergymen just you know everyday life mm -hmm. and here this happenstance occurs where it's just completely like something that is out of a, a movie like you said before yeah and it is traumatic because mm -hmm. you realize the complexity of what is real i mean what is really real at that point Right. Well, and, and just the whole uh, uncertainty of when are they going to do this again? Mm -hmm. Are they going to do this to my little girl and my husband? Um, and the whole question at that time of, you know, are they good? Are they bad? Because, you know, at that time, I didn't have enough evidence that they were truly benevolent. Um, it, it's that uncertainty and you feel powerless, helpless. I felt a little hopeless because I thought, oh, my goodness, if, you know, I, I wondered for a moment, can you even escape it when you die? Mm, wow. You know, really, because I it was just one of those, oh, my goodness, is this the way things are? Mm. And people just don't know or don't remember 
you know, because supposedly it is happening to millions of people Mm -hmm. and they just don't remember. Um, I've heard that the people that are remembering, they are allowing to remember for a reason. So is it true? I don't know. I thought it was interesting that you have this message come to you from this woman and I'm sorry, it was actually a male voice that you heard telepathically, correct? Yes. That loving quotation was the male voice. Mm -hmm. And, and the woman that said that to me was saying something that I thought was very relevant also. But for me, I did feel that since I was engaged to be married, that it was a direct message for me. But at the same time, I thought she was talking about together as a populace. It was almost like um, where they came from, marriage was the most sacred part of their existence. And she was giving me the chance to experience that. Now, I think that she was impressing on me when I looked back at that little quotation was the fact that us humans do not take marriage sacredly. True. And so I thought that was very interesting since I was Mm -hmm. engaged to be married. So it made me rethink my whole situation, my own personal situation. But then I started looking at it as a populace. I thought, well, wait a minute. Well, what is the divorce rate Mm -hmm. and why, you know? So I don't know. For some reason, felt that, like you said, this was something to be shared in a, in a way and to mm-hmm. keep remembering those types of messages. Yeah. And when you think about marriage, um, you know, marriage is a union. And so when you talk about the populace, you know, maybe she was talking about the whole collective consciousness unifying. Um, I don't know. You know, it depends on how literally we try to take it or, you know, I think it's natural to try to say, oh, gosh, was that literal? Was it for me? Was it for everybody? Is it figurative? Is it, you know, what context do we put it in? Um, but I think any reason you come up for, for what she said to you, is a good thing. Like, no matter what, whether whatever your conclusion or my conclusion or any of the listeners, it's still a good message. Like, they're going to get a positive message from it. And whether- it stops to make us think. Yeah. We were talking a, bit, a little bit about your experiences, mm-hmm. and we were talking about these messages that you had gotten telepathically and how they might relate to you personally and maybe um, collectively and mm-hmm. how we should really pay attention to these things and utilize them as maybe tools to try and change our present state. I really <coughs> feel that to be quite true for myself. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I, I think so. I mean, I can absolutely say I'm not the person that I am today that I was before these experiences. I have become very different. Um, and ironically, I feel more, more grounded. Um, it's a, a very sta- stable, grounded feeling um, in regard to doing alternative healing. The clients that I have coming to me, I mean, I've been doing this for 25 years the people that I have now and, and how my modalities that I use have changed are vastly different than six months ago, even. I mean, it's amazing. Right. Um, the conversations that we have are not conversations that we had six months in prior. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. They, um, and, and what's interesting is I'm not initiating the conversations. Mm. These conversations that usually end up 
becoming about high strangeness, um, they are initiating it. Mm. So something is happening to make them feel safe with me to discuss them. Um, and the fact that they are now also having these experiences, mm-hmm. their experiences are also very recent. Wow. Yeah. So, so that's interesting. Um, so in a way, maybe we need to pay attention to these uh, synchronicities and high strangeness because I think a lot of people have them, but they don't mm-hmm. know how to address it in their normal life. Right. And when somebody else starts talking about it and saying, this happened to me, mm-hmm. it makes them be aware of their own situation and they feel comfortable to say, hey, wait a minute, that happened to me too. And so they come to their own self-realization as well. Maybe mm-hmm. you're um, in a way some sort of a, a conduit for that sort of information. It could be. I, I don't know. I've just been letting it unfold and trying to listen to the universe and roll with it. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I've been really good at listening. You know, um, you know, I've heard the saying that synchronicity is confirmation. So if that is true, there has been so much synchronicity yeah. um, that I am listening and I'm kind of just walking through the doors that open and trying to fulfill the mission, whatever the mission is. Right. Because right. there is a feeling of mission. I don't yes. know if you feel that as yes. well. Oh, my gosh. I have mm-hmm. that in my notes. Do you mm-hmm. have a sense of mission? That is yes. one of my next questions. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, yeah. There's a sense of mission, and there is an urgency. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I have felt the sense of mission since I was a child. Um And of course, you know, looking back, you know, with everything that's unfolded, um, I do feel there were things going on when I was a child. um, Talk about that. Well, um, I was a sleepwalking child, which isn't uncommon, um, but I would sleepwalk in the middle of the night, like between midnight and three or four in the morning. Uh, We lived on a dead end street and we had a very large backyard and the home next to us had a huge field in the back that was very overgrown. Um, I wouldn't have thought much of it. You know, I knew my whole life that I was a sleepwalker. Um, my dad had to put locks up on top of the doors to try to keep me in the house. Um, and they would find me out, you know, going toward the back, my backyard or the back field of the neighbor. Um, and recently my mother started telling me about our neighbor across the street, who she referred to as crazy Patty, who's now (laughs) long deceased. But, um, she used to sit up on her roof every night in her nightgown, waiting for the ships to come. And I and, and that's and my, what she said. She was waiting for the ships. That, to come. That's what she like said. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. And in my parents are now in their eighties, and they're you know they're very um, you know they don't they don't want to believe in this type of thing, even though they themselves have had several sightings. Okay, wow. so yeah, so. What's interesting is so Crazy Patty, she'd sit up on the roof, um, and, and she had a tiny little yard. And I said to my mother, well, where were they landing? And she said, oh, they were landing in, in the field next to ours, across the street. And I'm like, in what direction was I walking when I was sleepwalking as a child? Mm. And they're like, in that same direction. Okay. So, uh, to me, that is odd. You know, well, that, wouldn't to they me, think that was odd? I don't think they want to think that that's all. I don't think they want to know that this is happening. <laughs> right. I there think is some sort of denial associated with this when you talk to your parents, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, not just 
their age, but also the fact that something could have been happening to their little girl and they didn't know um, and maybe couldn't protect her from that. There could be some of that going on. Um, I don't know. But so and I remember <clears throat> also feeling, you know, a hand touch me on the shoulder. That was not my parents. Um, I remember seeing one of my dolls moving off of my bed. I remember being afraid of my closets and my windows. So there were several things that when I look back and I try to connect the dots, um, I, I was a very spiritual child, mm. like abnormally so, and my parents were not. So it was odd that I would have that. Um, yeah, it just, when I, you know, I was very intuitive from my childhood. Um, that's definitely increased, I'd say, in the last few years. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think this has probably gone on since being a little child. I've so. heard that, that. That seems very common with a lot of my interviews mm -hmm. of experiences where they feel like they had, like you said, a not only a sense of mission, but some sort of a heightened uh, spirituality mm -hmm. and, and maybe even wanting to be religious because they had no other way to, to relate it to anything else. It was more of a, you know, when you thought about spirituality, you always thought about religion as a child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was highly uh, brought up in a religious household as a child as well. Mm -hmm. But then when I was probably about seven years old, my father decided that we weren't allowed to go to church anymore. And he became an atheist, wow. which I didn't. I mean, it was just like so bizarre to me. Mm -hmm. And but I still wanted to go to church. But I thought, how can I go to church if I don't go with my parents? So as a small child, I was finding neighbors mm -hmm. to go to church with because I always had to have that sense of spirituality in my life. Yeah. And I had no other uh, way of getting that around me unless I left my home. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah, well, and my parents, they, they were Catholic, but they, they weren't churchgoers, and they didn't um, shove anything down my throat. I wanted to go to this particular Baptist church in my town for whatever reason. They took me there from the time I was three. They would take me, bring me into my little classroom, pick me up. Um, what's interesting is, you know, in the Baptist religion, they don't have little figurines of Jesus and Mary. Um, I needed to have figurines. And my mother had little Jesus and Mary and angel figurines. And I had an altar in my room as like a elementary school, like five-year-old to seven-year-old kid. I had that all set up and I would sit there with them and meditate on it. Wow. Yeah. And I, I you know, I can remember doing that. And I just look back and I think, what, why, why was I led to do that? And like you said, maybe it was just the only way my mind could relate what was happening. Because it felt like maybe there was something otherworldly going on. Yeah. And the only thing that we knew as children that was otherworldly was God. Mm -hmm. And so that was the only way we could relate to something that wasn't of this physical earth. Mm -hmm. There was something else always out there. Yeah. And so we always were taught to pray. Okay. And, and that, again having prayers so close to, uh, you know, having meditation, mm -hmm. no matter if it's with uh, another entity or a way of thinking or, or higher self, even mm -hmm. your higher consciousness, possibly. Yeah. Um, I think it's all related to uh, the same thing. Mm -hmm. Now, there was something else I wanted to ask you, and 
And I think that it's really good to talk about because I think a lot of experiencers that might be listening to the show might have a lot of questions in regards to how you deal with this when you're involved in a relationship with somebody who is not an experiencer. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure if your husband or, or any ex, uh, I don't know, boyfriends or what have you that were in your life were experiencers, but how did they accept this? Well, um, my husband that I currently have, <laughs> you currently I've have? Been, <laughs> my, my current husband, <laughs> as opposed to my ex-husband, because right. I have a story about my ex-husband. Okay, uh, right. My husband now, it, you know, is just a godsend. I've been so impressed with how supportive he is. Um, you know, because when this happens, you think, "Am I crazy?" You know, you go to that point, and then you think, "Oh my goodness, if I'm crazy, is my husband going to stay with a crazy woman?" Um, <laughs> So, you know, he helped me to, to realize, you, you know, you're not crazy. Um, he has experienced um, that drunken feeling you get after experiences because we've tried to talk, you know, after the experiences. And it's as if both of us have been drugged and we can't have a conversation right after it happens. So that's very interesting. Hmm. Um he was with me, you know, after the first experience, I felt very led to go sit in a field. And one night, me and my husband and my daughter went to a nearby field, and we were sitting there, had the windows open, we were there about 20 minutes, and nothing was really happening. And I'm thinking, oh, this was just ridiculous. I don't know, what was I thinking? Um, Well, right then, I got this stabbing feeling in my left eye. Like it felt like someone had stuck a needle in my eye. And I actually grabbed my eye and I was like, ouch, what is that? And it lingered. And I got very cranky. And I said, let's just go home. And we went home. It was like I couldn't make it to the bed fast enough. I needed to go to sleep. So it was. It felt almost like I had a shot of a sedative. Mm. Um, and the 10 minutes it took to go from the field to the house, uh, my husband said, gosh, you got so cranky. And it was like, you just had to get in the bed. And he's never seen me do that before. In the 11 years we've been together, he's never seen that. Um, I have woken up, uh, he had gone out of town for five nights. And that was a very stressful time for me. Because even though I know he's helpless when things are happening, it's comforting for me to know he's there after. And so I had asked the beings telepathically as best I could, please give me a break. Mm. Don't, please don't come see me during these five nights. And I don't believe they did. And the night my husband got home, I said, okay, the portal's back open. You know, just (laughs) just scare me, you know, just be nice and don't scare me. Um, The next day it was later in the day and I was talking to my mom on the phone and I was kind of just kind of touching my left leg and I felt these little bumps and there was a perfect triangle of bumps, um, three, three bumps. Uh, and I took a picture of it. And so my husband has seen that and he, Mm. he knows what I had said about, you know, kind of jokingly opening the portal back up. Um, so he's witnessed those types of things. Mm -hmm. And, and he knows that in all the years we've been together, you know, we've never been interested in this topic. Um, and he knows I've always been very spiritual and it's just not a topic that came up. So he has seen those things and witnessed those things and is very supportive of what I'm going through. Um, you know, there's been nights I just 
really need him to hold me. I have to sleep with a light on every night now. I've kind of become afraid of the dark. Um, and so I have a salt lamp, which puts off just the right amount of light into the room that it doesn't bother anybody else. Uh, but it's there. It, it gives a nice glow so that I'm, I can see around me and it feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's real sensitive to all that. And um, I'm thankful. <laughs> you should so, yeah, definitely be thankful for that because it's not a very common thing to have somebody right. who is supportive. And, and obviously it sounds like in your past that you did have a situation that was very much like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I had a situation with my ex-husband where we were driving um, a th to a three hour destination that we had done many, many times. And it's exactly three hours. We got there in two hours and we could not figure it out. We could not figure it out. And it was something we talked about for a long time. And I'm sure he still remembers this as well. And it's always stuck in my head. I never chalked it up to anything supernatural until these experiences started happening. And you hear about missing time, but then there is the sped up time thing as well. And so I don't know. I don't know what happened, but it was not supposed to be the way it was. So as far as we know what it really is, that is supposed right. to be, that's the whole <laughs> hard, that's the hard thing to try and decipher this whole time code. It seems that when there mm -hmm. is missing time or sped up time and, or, you know, with, uh, obviously with your research as well, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure you found that we don't really know what these entities really are. And if they're not the physical little gray beings that we see in the movies, mm -hmm. and if it's something else completely then who knows what they're able to do coming right. in and out of our time, our reality into this yeah. space yeah, and, and changing our, our environment to suit theirs or, or what have you. We don't even know. Right. Now, do you have any children? I have my one daughter. Mm -hmm. She's and, nine. Oh, okay. So, I mean, does she know anything about your experiences at all? Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, we're a very close family and, I think the trauma that I went through in the beginning, it was hard to hide that from her. Um, so she knows about my anxiety and she always tries to make me feel comfortable. I talk to her regularly about, am I, you know, are you scared? Do the, do the things I say scare you? Um, and it's almost like in those moments, she's trying to take care of me. Mm. Um, she has had a couple of experiences on her own and she was a little frightened during those. Um, but it wasn't lasting. It didn't, where I, I have the anxiety issues, she does not. So, and I guess that's the blessing of being a little child. I think you just. Right, right. The innocence <laughs> you know, of youth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and they live, to be said. yeah, they just live in that little imaginative world anyway. So, you know, it's not a far stretch when they have an experience like that. I don't think so. That's true. But I mean, yeah. have you ever felt anything very odd about anything she said, or do you think that she might've been involved in any of your experiences up to this point? I don't think she's been involved in any of my experiences. Um, you know, her, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm still trying to, at her age, she's so into the computer. Um, it's hard to figure out what's going on with her on a spiritual level or an, you know, an extraordinary level. When she was much younger, like three or four, I can remember her, I would get headaches and she would automatically start doing Reiki on me. 
she would she would just come out and she knew you know i mean she had watched me do it so she would put on the reiki music on my phone and come up and just put her hands on my head and hold my head and it was just so loving and gentle and came from such, such a pure place whereas at this age you know i'd have to actually ask her probably to <laughs> please do that whereas, down before, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but before it was just it was just a natural thing for her to emit some healing energy when somebody would need it so i thought i, I like looking back on I those think days that's beautiful i mean i mean how many children actually do reiki on their parents right wow. without being asked i mean exactly. she just naturally did it exactly yeah so let's talk about this uh awakening that you've had mm-hmm. and i think it's uh something that we don't really address and maybe a lot of people don't want to talk about it because it's so personal when you get into um, your own self journey and, and, and you're trying to make sense of your life and make sense of these experiences that have happened to you. And instead of going into that dark place that a lot of people do, mm-hmm. and, and I found that to be true for a lot of people where they just, either they medicate themselves or they get into a deep depression, mm-hmm. they become very um, isolated mm-hmm. because they don't know how to relate to anybody else or, or even just have a converse, a normal conversation with somebody without bringing up this experience. Yeah. And if you're not an experiencer, I know that you know how hard it is to be matter of fact about it because I mean, for me, it's involved my whole life and I have kept it a deep, dark secret for very long Mm -hmm. and it's been quite a journey and I'm surprised that I have not gone down that road, but I, I, I found that meditation yeah. Once I started going into my own self-realization and, mm-hmm. and saying, you know, I need to connect with whoever it is that's trying to connect with me because I know it's something. I know it's someone or something or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I stepped out of the box. I stepped out of my per- personal comfort zone and I said, okay, give me the message. What is my path? I mm-hmm. know I have a path. I feel the sense of mission. I feel a sense of urgency as well, just like you said. Yeah. For you. Uh, what spawned you to say, okay, I need to start meditating about this? Well, I think, you know, meditation is the only way to try to communicate. Um, when you get into a quiet place and alter your brainwave patterns to try to communicate. And, you know, and on those days that I have a good meditation, it's often that night that I'll get a message. Um, so, you know, and I've actually been led to teach meditation from this. And I am now teaching a, a meditation class in my neighborhood. And we had 21 people sign up wow. for this first meditation class that we did a couple of weeks ago. And they can't wait till the next one. Um, so I think teaching others also how to get into that place is going to help them in, in so many you know areas of their life. But if people are starting to have awakenings, that's a great place to start having an awakening is when you're inside yourself. Right. You know, when you can get in there and listen, because, you know, I always tell people that, you know, prayer, we're talking, we're talking to God, meditation, we're listening to God or whoever, whoever the source is. Um, You know, it's those, you know, a lot of experiencers have experiences as they're falling asleep or as they're waking And, you know, there's that school of thought of, well, they're in a hypnagogic or a hypnopompic state, and that's what's creating it. And I kind of feel like 
but maybe that's the best time to communicate with them mm-hmm. is when their brain waves are altered in those states. That's the best time for whatever beings to come through and do what they've got to do or to say what they've got to say to us. Right. And, and we don't have any, um, any distractions. Okay. Right. We're, we're completely lucid. We're in this mm-hmm. space where we are connecting on a totally different level of, mm-hmm. of our brain. I mean, what yeah. do we really know about the brain? How does the human brain really work? Right. And, and, you know, that being said, what do we really remember? Mm-hmm. So when we do these meditations, I, I found for myself that um, you're right. And I had, I nodded a lot when you were so- talking about having the meditation and having a visitation on the same mm-hmm. day. I mean, wow, you're the first person that I've talked to that said that because it kind of freaked me out. That was my last physical visitation from the grace was when mm-hmm. I first started meditating. Wow. And, but, but the, the really interesting thing about that uh, situation was it was the one time in my life that I'd ever had a visitation from them mm-hmm. that I was not frightened. Yeah. And, and I wonder if, you know, obviously it's related in some way, but I had no fear. I yeah. had absolutely no fear whatsoever. And I think that I was connecting to that, um, either if, it, if it's my higher self mm-hmm. or my higher consciousness, we, we talked about the super consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, so then what are the beings and maybe they're, maybe we're the conduit for them to come into our reality by getting into that conscious space. Yeah. We're allowing them to come into our time frame, into our quote unquote time zone, mm-hmm. you know, on this plane. Yeah. And, and, you know, it seems to me that you've had a lot of benevolent experiences and not really the traumatic sorts from these beings, which mm-hmm. is, you're probably one of the only ones that I've actually spoken with that's had that happen to them. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that maybe since you have tapped into that part of the conscious state and that conscious awareness, and as you said, um, getting into that med- state, meditative state and having the recognition of the third eye opening, mm-hmm. which is a whole other thing altogether right there that a lot yeah. of people aren't aware about. Right. Um, that's something that I would really like to delve into because you mentioned Reiki earlier, uh, mm-hmm. talked about meditation, um, synchronicities, high mm-hmm. strangeness. I think that, you know, psychic abilities, precognition, mm-hmm. all these things are connected yeah. and, and they're all, you know, holding hands together because, um, I've had that so much in my life, especially as I've gotten older and become aware of the higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. I think that most of us who are experiencers and, and those of you who are out there listening to the show and are also experiencers, if you feel that you have a connection to that part of you and your consciousness, I highly recommend that you delve into that a little bit further because I think that these are there for a reason, especially if you have a lot of synchronicity in your life and feel that there's something else out there other than this, which mm-hmm. I do. And I think that Debbie can attest to as well. Mm-hmm. So that being said, Debbie, um, you know, again, thank you so much for, for coming forward. I mean, I know how hard it is to speak pu- publicly about this. And I know that it's pretty new for you to be doing this. And mm-hmm. I really have to say you're very brave. Thank you. <laughs> no, honestly, um, I, I'm very, very proud of everyone who's contacted me mm-hmm. 
since I started doing this show, I welcome anyone who's listening, if you feel the need that you need to speak your truth and share something with the world, no matter how small it is, everything is important. Things are happening now, and the time is now to be saying these things and speaking your truth. So please use this platform. Contact me at abductiawareness at gmail.com or here at KGRA Radio anytime if you feel the need to connect. So, Debbie, you, as an experiencer, felt compelled to go somewhere where a lot of experiencers have not had the opportunity to or taken the advantage of delving into, and that is, you know, alternative healing. And I know that you have gone into doing Reiki and you are doing your meditation group, which is awesome. But I also uh, noticed that you were doing some sort of sound therapy, and I really had a lot of questions about that because that's something that I have no real knowledge of. So could you please tell our listeners what that's all about? Sure. The, you know, the sound therapy, um, sound therapy is using sound and hence frequency to help balance our human bodies and our energy fields and our chakra systems. And we use tuning forks and singing bowls. Uh, some people will even use uh, didgeridoos and other types of drums, um, toning with the voice. So there's a lot of different ways to use sound therapy. And I, I had been in alternative health from the time I was 20. So my first 17 years, I was a massage therapist. Oh, wow. And I, I did massage and I did reflexology. And over those years, my back started to give out. My hands started to give out. And I kind of needed to be led to gentler practices. So that kind of, you know, led me into doing uh, what I'm doing. And the things that I do, I do Reiki and I do the sound therapy and I do EFT, which is emotional freedom technique and hypnosis. All of those are dealing with energy, our consciousness and our energy system. Uh, so the sound therapy, it's amazing how certain frequencies can affect the body in certain ways. And it's not just some new age hoopla. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of science behind sound therapy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, way back to Nikola Tesla. I mean, there's just... Amen to that. <laughs> I know. We love Nick. Yes. <laughs> but, you know... It's so it's the tones, um, and it's so fascinating to see somebody laying on the table, and you'll you'll do a certain tone, and sometimes I'll have a group of people all attracted to the same tone in the same week, and then other weeks it'll be a different tone that they seem attracted to. Um, I have people say, "Am I levitating off the table?" I've heard that several times where they actually felt as if they were floating off the table. Wow. Um, they will see things, and, and I just love hearing the stories after a session. And what I do is I, in, in person, I combine the Reiki and the sound therapy and aromatherapy and crystal therapy, um, and I sage the person before we start. And it makes for a, just a lovely session that someone who can't meditate, it's kind of their time to get lost in themselves and they just, it's so fun to hear what they have to say afterwards. Um, so it's been, in a way, my situation with having a bad back and bad wrists has led me into, um, 
you know, it just segued into this mm. wonderful healing art mm. where I combine all these things and it makes for a unique experience. It's not just a Reiki experience. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that has been lovely. The sound therapy, I was so, it, it was like, I was craving going through that training. I just had to go through that training. Um, and it, and I feel so blessed to have gone through it because uh, I don't know many people that do sound therapy. A lot of people have tuning forks, but they haven't, you know, gone through the training to use tuning forks or singing bowls. And it's just, it's a lovely thing, uh, what it can do. Yes. You so, know, um, if I may interrupt right now, mm-hmm. um, I cannot tell you how many people have asked me. You know, they say, I really, really want to start meditating, Mm -hmm. but they say they don't know how. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, well, what should I do? And I think it's a very personal experience and I just do what's right for me. For those people out there who are listening right now, is there anything that you could give them any sort of advice for them to learn how to meditate for themselves? Sure. Um, the first thing I would say is create a space in your home that is just for that. Find a corner, you know, get some pillows, some cushions to sit on. So, uh, with my back issues, I prefer to lay down. Um, so I've got a couple of different, I've got a little back jack chair to sit on on the floor. And I also have a zero gravity chair that I can lay in that puts me in a really nice position to kind of I lay down with a heating pad and a blanket and the eye pillow and I use some aromatherapy or light some incense and it creates a space that will hopefully attract the energy you're looking to attract and kind of drown yourself into. Mm -hmm. So make a little space. Um, Some people want to have, you know, little figurines. You know, if you're a Christian, you might want to have a cross or a little you know, Jesus picture on there. Uh, You might want to have a little Buddha or a Kuan Yin or, you know, whatever you might want. It doesn't have to be a religious thing. And that's what I always try to tell people is, you know, meditation is not necessarily a religious thing. It could be, you can make it that way, but it's really about tuning into yourself and not necessarily tuning out everything because even hearing sounds and letting your mind wander can be a form of meditation. You know, there are walking meditations. You can go find local labyrinths to go walk the labyrinth. You can do a Tai Chi video or a Qigong video. Mm-hmm. You can meditate while you're cooking. Right. I mean, there's so many different ways to meditate. Uh, you can meditate. There's tea meditations where you drink tea and you just kind of breathe and drink your tea for 10 minutes. And right. Yeah, and, and so you don't have to try so hard right. with I everything. Agree. I yeah. agree, and I think that people feel that it's some sort of a, you know, there's a ritual, there's a, you know, A, B, C, or D. I think it's a very mm-hmm. personal thing. Like you said, you could meditate basically doing anything, mm-hmm. whatever makes you feel the most comfortable, whether it be, you know, like you said, cooking or, or anything. It's just mm-hmm. really, I think it's more, more self-introspection as well and just getting yeah. into that place to where you – don't have any distractions and you just mm-hmm. really delve into your own mind and your own consciousness and just be at one with yourself. Yes. And we don't do that often enough because right. we have way too many distractions out there. Oh, and I yeah. think those distractions are there for a reason, obviously, because yeah. if they knew that we were in touch with, 
not only ourselves, but our, our higher selves or whoever these mm -hmm. beings are that are coming over here to guide us mm -hmm. into having harmony here. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said about people that might not want that to happen collectively. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. And because you know, then they lose control. Right. And, you know, that kind of brings me to the third eye, my little third eye speech, if there's nice. time for me to give that. Do it. Um, okay. Your third eye is your pineal gland, okay, which is in the middle of your brain. Thousands of years ago, that gland was as big as a walnut, and now it's the size of a pea. Mm. And it's also calcified. And how did it get calcified? One of the main reasons is the fluoride that we have, the fluoride in our water, in our toothpaste. Uh, and of course, those are, you know, man-made things. It also is naturally occurring in black tea. Um, but what it does is it calcifies that gland. If you had an MRI or an X-ray of your head, you'd see that little glowing pea in the middle of your head. Uh, there are ways to decalcify it, and that would be staying away from fluoride, using uh, a bentonite type of clay, the Indian clay, an Indian red clay, a teaspoon in some water. Um, that helps. Taking Ethereum gold capsules can help. Uh, so there, there's different ways to do that. Uh, and, of course, the most important, I think, is just staying off the fluoride. And I'm not a doctor, so make sure you <laughs> check with your physician before. <laughs> well, I don't think there's anything things. good about fluoride anyway. So I really don't right. think you're doing anybody a disservice by saying that. I mean, I grew up in a generation where fluoride was just, I mean, I can't even imagine mm -hmm. that we're not glowing in the dark right now with all yeah. the things that we went through as children in the 60s, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, literally, fluoride was like the big deal back then. Sure. And I'm thinking, wow, so why was that, really? Really, people? Yeah. And, we well, need to really you know, listen. In, in Nazi Germany, they gave large doses of fluoride to the Jews it, because it, it dumbs you down. It dumbs you down to where... Your, your intuition is not there anymore. So it's, you know, your gland has shrunk, it's calcified, it didn't happen by accident. So I always tell people, start with cleansing yourself a little bit first um, to, to open that third eye, because that is the seat of our soul. Um, it, it's where we produce melatonin. Uh, it actually has a cornea on it. It's shaped like a pine cone, which is why it's called the pineal gland, and it has a cornea. Um, and I think I told you about when I meditated, you know, just, just in the last several months, uh, you know, I'll be meditating with my eyes closed, and I will, all of a sudden, I can see the room in front of me. I heard that. Yeah. And it just, uh, it, in one time, I had an eye pillow on, and it just blew my mind. I mean, it's kind of shocked me, and I had to, you know, sit up and whip off my eye pillow, and um, but yeah, I could just see the room clear as a bell. Well, it and, makes me think about that old saying, you know, your mama's got eyes in the back of her head. <laughs> so what does that really mean? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's a powerful thing. Um, so once we start opening or, or cleansing our pineal gland, so then what can we expect after that? I, I mean, I, my hope would be your intuition would increase. Um, you know, being, being sensitive to the energies around you, your meditation practice would hopefully be easier. Another thing too, with the meditation is, you know, if all else fails, if you're trying to meditate, download some guided meditations mm. where there's a voice guiding you into the forest or into the stars, or it, it, those are wonderful. Uh, 
Um, and studies have shown that with guided meditation, your stress level can drop 65% mm-hmm. just from listening to 10 or 15 minutes of a guided meditation. I believe so, that. Yeah. So don't feel like you have to be sitting there with your eyes closed and concentrating on your breath and having your mind wander everywhere. Because there's, like we talked about, there's lots of different ways to do it. And the guided meditation is a wonderful way to start especially if you create that nice little sacred space for yourself and throw in your earbuds and just listen. I love that. And the, you know, I've been listening to a lot of the, uh, the bowls, the Tibetan bowls. Oh yes. Uh-huh. And even just the sound that, that resonant sound of that. Yes. Like you have no control. You mm-hmm. have to shut down. If yeah. There's something to be said about certain tones that just get you into that calm place. You have no control of it whatsoever. Yeah. I have a set of tuning forks that they use in drug treatment because it can get you to the high place without taking a drug. You know, the sound is amazing. And, you know, try the crystal singing bowls because, you know, metal is heavy. Mm. And even though you still get, you still get good benefits from it. um, The crystal, that's what we're coming into is that crystalline energy, that lighter, pure energy. Um, whereas metal is more associated with antiquity and old stuff. You know, you, you, when you picture Tibetan bowls, you think of these old ancient bowls that, you know, and when you buy them, you know, the, the good ones are about several hundred years they're old. Very exp- and they're also pretty expensive. Yes, yes. <laughs> For and a so, reason, though. Right. And so think of all the energy that holds. And, and there's, you know, they're definitely lovely. Um, but, yeah, try the crystal bowls because you'll feel that different energy shift. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that's a great idea. So I had a question for you, um, in regards to when you had your awakening again with the third eye, did you feel at that point when you started seeing things in a different light per se, Mm -hmm. based on that awakening, um, these beings that had come to you now, a lot of us think that they are these physical, like I said earlier, the little grays that come in your room. But as far as them being like a conscious being, mm-hmm. what do you, what do you think they are? Where do you think they come from? Why do you think they're here? What do you think the message is for you? Well, you know, on a tangible level, you know, I did see a ship, which would make you think the ship came from somewhere, right? Um, do they need a ship to travel interdimensionally? I wouldn't think so. Uh, but to appear in your room, could they just, you know, you hear of the going through the walls and the ceiling. Um, I think they either really know how to manipulate matter or they are, some portal is opening interdimensionally. Uh, I had one night, I was laying in bed and looking, I was talking to my daughter, we were wide awake and um, there was just a little glow of light in the room. And in front of me, it looked as if the air was rippling. Like, it was very obvious. And I, I asked her, do you see that? And, and she could not see it. Um, but the air was rippling. And I thought, wow, you know, what is that? Is that a portal? Is that, am I trying to see into <clears throat> a different dimension? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's almost as if the more you know, the more questions you have. That's so true. You know, and, and that's okay. I mean, maybe that Maybe that's what it's all about, is to make us start to pay attention. Pay attention, definitely. I mean, because that gets your attention. When you see rippling in front of you. How can you deny it? Right. 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 You know, yeah, how can you deny it? So it forces you 
and, and it makes you curious. And mm. I, th- well, I, I take that back. I think it either makes you curious or it makes you shut down. Mm. And I think the people not dealing well with their experiences are probably shutting down Den- denial. Just like if you go through any unbelievable or traumatic experience, you're either going to deal with it or you're going to go into denial and shut down. Right. So, um, when it's, you know, fearful and you can't wrap your mind around it, it may be easy to shut down. And there's been days I thought maybe I just need to block it all out. Right. Just, well, sometimes just... we need to take a break. I mean, yeah, literally we can just befuddle ourselves with all this information and go crazy mm-hmm. because we, I mean, as much as we like to try and do what we're doing and, and try and do this work, because I feel <laughs> that, that you and I are both feeling compelled to do some sort of work. Mm-hmm. We still have a life to live. We still have families, we still have jobs. We still have, yes. you yeah. know, to pay the bills. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. there, there is some sort of like a sense of, of balance that has to be happening in your life. Mm-hmm. And, and I think when you get, if you let yourself get so overwhelmed, mm-hmm. that's where the meditation comes in. That's where taking that break out of your yes. day and, and reassessing your own self and, and tuning yourself, mm-hmm. tuning your energy to where you can deal with whatever PTSD you have, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, the wonderful thing is that there are people like you um, who are, are offering these types of, of energy work for other people to try and stabilize themselves. Mm-hmm. And there are also so many support groups now for you know people that are involved in the abduction scenario where they feel that they have no one to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, physically, they can go there and have a meeting. They can do it on the phone. They can call in to various radio shows that we do here at KGRA Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, we all are now letting go of that fear mm-hmm. and, and, and letting go of, of, and like I said before, stating our name and saying, I am not going to be afraid to say this is me and this has happened to me. Mm-hmm. You know, this is yeah. my life and I have a right to, it's almost like you get angry in a sense. Yeah. You get angry and you say, mm-hmm. wait a minute, okay this happened to me. I had no control over it. Well, you know, screw it. I don't care anymore. I'm not Mm going to, you know, I've had people say to me, you know, I really can't be on the show because I'm afraid. What if they come and, you know, what if there's like a a, a white van in front of my house or the men in black come or, (laughs) you know, I've had those thoughts. (laughs) I I, I know Mm -hmm. that's a totally normal fear, but you know what? I think the fear breeds the experiences to, to manifest in, in a, you know, totally malevolent way. For some reason, I, I feel that the more, when I look at, at certain people who are doing these shows, who are really into conspiracy theories and what have you, mm-hmm. it seems like the more they delve into that, the more happens to them that is negative. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like they're creating their reality. Exactly. And, you know, and I don't know about you, it seems like, to me, most of them are men. I, well, I, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I'm just going to mouth on that one. But, it's just an observation. But, oh, it's it seems like the women are kind of processing it well. Um, and the men are kind of, and it, and it could just be the difference between the male and the female energy. Um, okay. And that's not to say all men. I'm just saying the certain men that I've come in contact with, um, you know, you just hear these terrible stories and they, they talk to you like you're living in a dream world. You know, they're not good. You just think they're good. Don't you think these entities attract themselves a different type of energy, you know, male versus female energy for different reasons. You know, I I found that a lot of um, male now, a lot more female experiences are actually coming out and speaking (laughs) like you, 
most mm-hmm. of my guests as of late have been female. Yeah. But uh, that being said, I also feel that um, a lot of men who are um, involved in this abduction uh, scenario have been very combative. Yeah. Which, you know, it's their nature, I think, to do that. If, you know, if somebody's coming at you, the guy's response is, you know, I'm going to defend myself. Right. That's you genetic. Know. That's totally genetic. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? I don't discount them for doing that because, you know, I mean, I saw Terminator. I know how women can be pretty, you know, domineering <laughs> if they have to be, if they have to, like, fight for their life or what have you. Mm-hmm. But in this situation, um, there is some sort of a more of a, a male um, dominant power um, sense of, of con- not control, but but trying to um, protect, mm-hmm. to fight, you know, yeah. and, and, but then again, I almost feel like it breeds for the, the uh, visitations to increase in a negative manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it could be, you know, if these beings truly are energetic beings and if they are playing off of our energy, you know, I, I don't, you know, I wonder how much control they have even over themselves. I don't know. Um, but you hear, you know, if you if you are, you know, the whole secret philosophy, if you're putting out negative stuff, you're going to get negative stuff. That's true. If you're putting out positive stuff, you're going to hopefully get positive stuff. Now, does it apply to this subject? You know, I don't know. I don't either. You know, we just don't know. Um, if we did, it wouldn't be so scary. <laughs> but, you know, if we address it and really start thinking about it, maybe those of us out there or those of you out there who are involved in the scenario might give that a think and think, you know, wait a minute. If I look at this whole thing in a totally different light, maybe Mm -hmm. the visitation experience will change, you know, allowing ourselves to step outside of that, you know, scenario and say, wait Mm -hmm. a minute, I want this to be a certain way. I'm reading a book right now um, by a future guest who wrote a book about how to defend yourself against alien Mm -hmm. abduction. Yeah. And I think that's very interesting because I think a lot of people out there don't even think they have the control to do that. But, you know, there are tools yeah, that we can use to prevent that from from progressing mm-hmm. or to from from continuing as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and I've been told too that if they are benevolent, like when I needed that break while my husband was gone, and then there was another, there was a two week period where it was like every other night, and I was like, I need a break, I need a break, and that if you ask and they listen, that they are truly benevolent, mm. that they're trying to work with you. I hope that's true. Um, you too. <laughs> you know, because it's, you know, whether it's, whether that was just a psychological thing or I tricked myself into thinking they weren't communicating with me, right. I don't know. But, it, but I know both of those times they did listen and they, there was no contact during that time. Um, so, and, and then I always, you know, at night I always surround myself. I, I, and I say the words with the highest frequency of love and light. And I will make the statement, I attract only the highest frequency of love and light. That's very and, important. And that any any other frequencies are not allowed. Yeah. So That's something very like, important, I think, Debbie, that you say that. Because mm-hmm. if you open yourself up to everything, you never know mm-hmm. what's going to come into your mm-hmm. space. So Yes. Yeah. And I do that before meditation, too. I make that statement very, very clear in my mind. And I, you know, project it out there. So, so what do you, what do you think's happening? What do you think's happening with this uh, elevation of our, our conscious awareness at this point? <laughs> I don't know. I just know we are hopefully listening and paying attention 
and stepping up to whatever we feel we're supposed to step into. Um, you know, for myself, when, when I finished my hypnosis training, it was funny because we, we had this terrible cicada outbreak here. And I, it was, I think 13 years ago. And I thought I will, I will not be there during that time. The next time it happens. And sure enough, I was. And so for (laughs) six weeks, I had to lock myself in the house. And I thought, you know, I'm going to finish this hypnosis course. And I finished the hypnosis course. And I finished in later on, I had finished an advanced hypnosis course. And then I also did my EFT basic and advanced training. And I was so thankful for those cicadas because I thought it, it made me sit down and do it. And I'm so thankful because that EFT, I don't know if you're familiar with how that works, but that's working on the meridian system of the body. Um, and and the, the basis is that our unresolved negative emotions are major contributors to our pains and anxieties and things like that. And it's nothing more than disruption Mm. in our body's energy system. And so, so we tap it out while we're discussing something. And let's say the issue is fear, because I think fear and anxiety are the two things abductees feel. Mm. And what's so great about that is that's something I can do over Skype with people to help them through that. Yes. So we're getting very close to the end of the show. So before mm-hmm. we leave, you need to tell everybody how to contact you because I know there are so many people out there listening right now that would love to connect on that level and have some okay. work done. So how can I get in touch with you? Well, the best way is through my website, which is www.glowtherapy.net. And, um, or you can reach my email is glowtherapytn at gmail.com. Um, those are the best ways to contact me and I can teach them meditation through Skype. I can go through EFT sessions with them over Skype. And then I also offer, offer distance Reiki because Reiki energy does work at a distance. It does. I've had that done to me and I can attest Mm -hmm. 100% that it does work. So anybody out there who feels they have a need for any healing work or would like to know how to heal themselves as well, Mm -hmm. uh, please contact Debbie. Um, if you could just repeat those one more time for those who have not, and, and, and is that G-L-O-W? Glow? Yes. Okay. Yeah, G-L-O-W so can you repeat that again? Mm-hmm. www.glowtherapy, T-H-E-R-A-P-Y, dot net. Perfect. Yes. Thank you so much, Debbie. And again, so I just want to thank you for joining us tonight here at Random Alien Brain Droppings and... I wish you all the best with your energy work, and I'm so blessed to have made your contact so that I can actually spread this with other people. So, Oh, thank you. I'm blessed to have met you as well. Oh, and, thank you so much. And you're my first official interview, and I'm and so And I'm so proud of you. So thank you. <laughs> everyone have a good night, and thanks for joining us. This is Anne Chancellor. See you next time. Have a good night. See you.
Some kind.